Welcome to When Fear Reigns, where we talk about what it means to live your faith in a secular age. In today's episode, the problem of evil is a complex challenge to the Christian faith. But today, instead of talking about evil as if it only happens to other people in a country or continent far away, we bring it home. What about suffering and evil that keeps real people in our lives from God? Thanks for joining us as we listen in on this conversation between Dr. Parlo and Pastor Ben. Welcome, everyone, to When Fear Reigns. This is episode five. I am Ben Workentine here with John Parlo, and we're going to be talking about this really big issue of evil, the problem of evil. A lot of times you'll hear it phrased this way, uh, if God is good and he is all-powerful, then how can evil exist? You can have two of those, three, but not all three. And I'm hoping we can dig into this issue because a lot of people raise it. A lot of people have questions, both non-Christians and Christians. I think that is a pretty big issue. Yeah, those three those three points you just made are sometimes referred to as the trilemma. There you go. Uh, sometimes it could be a quintlemma or a quadlemma as well if you add some other things like God's eternal or God's all-knowing. But before we get into that, Ben, how was your Easter? It was good. Yeah, I had a great Easter. Uh, it was my first time here at St. Mark, so I kind of saw it on a different scale, but it was very, the message was great and really focused on the new life that we have. Yeah, I thought, I thought all the, the new staff, they, I can tell you about Easter at St. Mark, yeah. but until you experience it, it's like somewhat surreal if you haven't been part of a, a large church, which gets an opportunity to, to reach out to thousands at an Easter time. So it's really very nice. Um, you didn't exactly listen the way I would have liked you to. I only received one solid chocolate bunny for Easter <laughs> from our producer, Anthony. So thank you very much, Anthony, for that. You still have time because I do know I saw that Walmart and other places, they're on sales. They're probably so 50% off by now. 50%. They're probably like a quarter left. You, know, it's just, you can pay them for a quarter. So listen, it's it's for me, it's not really the, the thought. It's just the gift. So if you just give me there the chocolate go. bunny, I'd really appreciate that. But no, it's it's this whole idea of evil is probably... The question that Christians are most often faced with, and often undoes them, they, they often are silent and go, okay, yeah, how am I supposed to answer that? Or, yeah, it's tough. It's tough because we all experience it. Things yeah. don't always go right. They go sideways, and sometimes they just go right down the toilet. Yeah, thinking about this as we were prepping for this uh, session, talking about the problem of evil, you know, I couldn't help but notice in the news lately, uh, those couple of big, big items, the Easter, the bombings in Sri Lanka, uh, those Christians dying there. Just heard yesterday news about a was it a, a synagogue in California right, that was right. shot up in the San Diego area? In San Diego area the, that shooter claiming to have started a mosque on fire. You know, there's evil all around us. And I'm glad we get to talk about this. Really, really dig into this because it is not only is it challenging when you get that that trilemma, but it's real. Suffer we see it in the news, but we also have it in our own lives too. Brings up the question a lot of times too when you're talking about. Uh, people striking out in the name of religion or against religious people, the whole idea of a martyr. Yeah. And and that's something that we probably need to talk about because I'm sure our listeners hear that word and sometimes it's thrown around. Uh, when you and I think of martyrs, especially when you think of uh, from a, a biblical Christian worldview, you're thinking of the, the early Christians as well as the Christians today who are dying for their faith. They're not looking to get glory for themselves or being selfish, but they're being selfless. <laughs> And they're willing to die for what they believe in. I just read a statistic that says today it is estimated that more Christians are being persecuted for the faith and dying for the faith than even in the first couple centuries of the early Christian church when it was launched. And so that brings up the idea of martyrs. There are plenty of them. There's Fox's famous book on the martyrs mm -hmm. that you can get and, and read the stories from the past 19 or 20 centuries. 
But the idea of a martyr in the Bible is someone who is willing to die for his or her faith, who does it selflessly, right? Uh, they do it because of what they believe in. Unfortunately, in our system today, people will sometimes use martyr as more of a selfish way, in a self-serving way, saying sure. that they're looking for their own glory. They're looking for sympathy. They're looking for an angle, maybe politically. And so we have to be careful with that. Or someone says, well, I'm going to blow myself up. I'm mm -hmm. going to be a martyr for my cause. That's using the word or term martyr in a totally adulterous way, at least in the way it's most often used. Yeah. yeah and I think that's really key because a lot of people will say that it's being selfless to, you know, <laughs> chain yourself to a tree or to, you know, strap bombs around you. I think the difference between a Christian martyr, as we've talked about in the last 20 centuries, even in scriptures, is someone who believes what they believe about Jesus and the resurrection and is taken out of their home. They're taken out of their business. They're not going and looking for trouble. They're not in somebody's face, but they, by living their faith, by giving voice to that faith, things happen to them. There's oppression against them, which is, I think, very different from the way a lot of people use martyr today, where it's almost they're seeking out, they're going after uh, the place that's going to get them into trouble. Correct, correct. I mean, I think back in the first century, first couple of centuries, was the whole idea that, that that's what you knew was one of the markers of the validity of the resurrection. You got guys who were cowardly and, and had run away and were hiding be behind locked doors and windows, and suddenly they change, and they're willing to die. Many of them did die for their faith. So yeah, it's it, one is, uh, I, I'm letting persecution come to me, and I'm willing to take it and even take my life because of what I believe is true, as opposed to I'm going to go attack someone and call myself a martyr for the faith. Yeah. And that really, that idea of martyrdom really brings us into this problem of evil really nicely, I think, because there are things that have happened to me or to believers in general, Jesus followers in general, that you can label as evil, you can identify as evil, an offhanded comment from somebody from as benign as that to all the way on the other side, like the, Shri, the, the victims of the Sri Lanka bombers. Uh, and I think there's a lot of different ways to attack or to address this question of evil. A lot of them are high level. I'm thinking of like C.S. Lewis's book on the problem of evil. Right, right. The philosophical debate, the thing that says evil happens over there. I've seen, I've watched debates with Sam Harris and they're, they're talking about evil that happens out there to somebody else in a faraway place that I don't really experience, but I observe. Like and I don't the, think like, we want to go there, yeah, right? Like the starvation in Africa or um, some of the other places in the world where you really have true poverty, although much of poverty, not all, but a lot of it has been eradicated because of a, a lot of great things that uh, communities and, and villages as well as nations are doing. But yeah, I don't think we want to go there. Let's talk probably more about the, the personal. Yeah, because that evil happens in each of our lives. And my, tell me if you agree or disagree with this, John. A lot of times when people say, I can't believe in a God who allows evil, really behind that, they're, I think, in my experience, they're saying, I can't believe in a God who allowed me to go through evil that I experienced or the suffering that I experienced. Yeah, I think that that's correct because we've all probably had that question. If you're a Jesus follower and you're honest, there are times when you haven't doubted God's existence. You've just doubted the wisdom of a God who does exist. Yeah. And, and I think we've all been there. I, I know that at any time something happens. And I have someone I care deeply about and something goes sideways in their life. Maybe it's that sudden knock by a police officer at your front door. Or perhaps it is a diagnosis that you never wanted to hear from your doctor. Or it can simply be someone you've done life with as a spouse suddenly doesn't want to do life with you anymore. It can be a number of things. And suddenly you wonder, what 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 happened here? And I always tell people, when you're meeting people in their living room and they're just emotionally distraught, or especially when you're at an emergency room, 
the biggest thing I try to remind people is don't think that you have to have all the right words in the perfect prayer. Just be there. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people won't remember what you say, but they'll remember who was there for them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you don't have these conversations when they ask, okay, how can this loving God allow this to yeah. happen to me? I have where a hard time believing. Yeah, where is God at this point? And those are questions that you don't, you don't abandon. You simply say, that's a great question, but right now let me know. Is there something I can do for you, get for you? Is there someone I can contact? Because you will have to have that question, mm-hmm. uh, answer that question later. But a lot of times in that just that moment, there's a phrase that I've used a number of times, and that is, when we don't know why, we remember who. When you don't know why something happened, remember who. And as Jesus followers, we have the message of the gospel that says, even though I live in a sin-filled, sin-marred world as a sinful human being and evil happens all the time, and sometimes they get splash effect by other people's evil choices, I remember who, I remember who it was who promised never to leave me and gave me evidence of his love with a, a, an occupied cross in an empty tomb. And so uh, that's not just trite, that's the only place you're really going to get comfort in that time. That's what I often will say to people in hospitals or at accident scenes or in living rooms where people are distraught. Again, let's remember, Jesus is with us in all circumstances. No matter what the circumstance is, you still have the gospel in Jesus. Now, you're going to have to answer those questions like, okay, how come or what possible good can come from? Yeah, those are questions that you and I as Jesus followers want to be able to have with people. But they're not going to be quick answers. And you're not going to have people say, oh, thank you so much. That just comforts me (laughs) tremendously right now. But it is comforting over time. And the biggest thing is, be, be what Jesus says. We, and the scriptures say, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn mm-hmm. with those who mourn. Jesus goes to this friend of Lazarus and Lazarus is dead. And Jesus knows in 10 minutes he's going to raise him to life again. But Jesus still takes time to cry mm-hmm. with Mary and Martha and the others that were weeping at that time because Jesus, even for 10 minutes, won't, won't let you not have his heart. I often say. He doesn't stop caring even for 10 minutes. He's going to weep with those who Mm -hmm. weep. You're his brothers and sisters, his sons and daughters by faith. So that's the first thing I tell people. Just be with them. Be Christians. You don't have to see, what is it? uh, I forgot what uh, church father that was that said, um, always share Christ and if necessary, use words. Mm -hmm. And in those times, it's just being there, Mm -hmm. which is very kind and helpful. And I think you said a couple of, you alluded to it several times there, John, the, the time that it takes I think this question of the problem of evil, of a lot of the questions that we discussed, a lot of the challenges that come up to the Christian faith, most takes time. There is not, and this is, this is why I want to talk about the, on the personal level, not the debate, not standing in front of an audience and, and going back and forth on the ideas of Christianity, but the personal level, this takes time just to be with somebody, to listen, to be patient, to be in their lives enough that they trust you with that question. Cause asking in the middle of their suffering, where's God in this? Is a, is a tremendous amount of trust and they're depositing in you a relationship that tells you that they want, they want bigger answers and bigger, deeper meaning in, in what you have for them. So let's say you get into that, you have that relationship. Somebody goes through suffering and they, you've spent that time, you've, you've listened and you've been with them, you've assisted them and you get to a place where you feel like, okay, now we're ready to talk about the why. How do you help guide them through that conversation? I think I, I, I often, and I would encourage others to do it like our listeners, uh, take a look at Scripture. Scripture gives us many examples in the Old and New Testament of uh, people who went through incredible pain mm-hmm. and injustice and tragedy, and yet God brought them through that. Didn't usually get them out of it, but yeah. brought them through it, and they were stronger on the other side. The Apostle Paul talks about how persecution can make us stronger. In the Old Testament, you've got people like Elijah and 
And you got my favorite prophet of all time, Jeremiah, who was called <laughs> by God and then told, no one's going to listen to you. In fact, wow. I'd like you to walk around naked for some time. And I'd like you to lie on one side for about a year and then on the other side as an object lesson for yeah. people who aren't going to listen. So, I mean, uh, and yet God used him in tremendous ways. I, I, I think you sit down with people and you, you point them always to God's word because that's ultimately our source of comfort, strength, peace, and forgiveness. And so I, I see, look at this man, look, look at Job. Yeah. Right? You can look at Job or you can look at the promises God gives in the Old and New Testament and how he keeps those promises, certainly in his son, Jesus. But I think you got to go up, uh, give them some modern day examples too. One of the, the illustrations I often will use is I will use the illustration that uh, I always don't get God's timing. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a very personal example. I grew up in South Central Los Angeles and I loved Los Angeles. I loved sunshine. I loved walking out my front yard and picking either a pomegranate from a pomegranate tree or a navel orange from a navel orange tree. Or in the backyard, I could get a plum or a lemon. I loved that. I loved the fact that one year I got sunburned on Christmas Day playing with my brand new volleyball set. I loved all that stuff. Now, I grew up in the 60s and 70s where you could see the air. It was called smog. And so there were certain days you weren't supposed to be outside because your lungs would fill up. You couldn't even go swimming at the local pool because it would be cloudy. And I'm thinking... I'm amazed that I'm still alive to this day, but it's, you know, we worked and it worked. And, but I loved all that. And then one day my dad came home and said, we're moving. We're moving because someone burnt down his plant over racial riots. He was in the Watts area, right close to Watts. And I, I was kind of mad at God because I liked where I was. Mm-hmm. I had already moved a bunch of times from one state to another and a couple different schools. And now I got to move up to Northern California, the San Jose area. And then we're there. And my dad gets another job, but then suddenly he gets shifted to a different job back in Wisconsin. And now I got to leave. And I got to leave sunny California and come back to this frozen tundra that is Wisconsin, (laughs) where people don't wear shorts year-round, where people uh, say cow and soda instead of pop, where they elongate (laughs) all their vowels. So I'm, I'm back here thinking... Geez, Lord, please help me with this. Why am I even here? And I was angry with God probably for, I don't know, probably for the, through my high school years because I didn't want to be here. But then one thing led to another in my college years. uh, I was called or what I like to say divinely dragged into ministry by God himself. And it was at that point I realized he had set everything up. I was able, given a, a chance that a lot of people don't have to look back and see how he worked bad stuff that hurt a lot that I did not understand. And no matter what my pastor would say, or you would say, or my parents said to me, or my brother Mm -hmm. said to me, it didn't make me feel any better. And yet I didn't lose my faith in God. I just didn't always agree with his choice and timing. And I looked back and went, oh, I get it. The other way I kind of think of it is, since we're big football fans, or at least I am, and you're still (laughs) in the college ranks, go big red. That's Nebraska, my friends, not Wisconsin. (laughs) But it's uh, it's like God is in the skybox. And you and I are on, I have a field pass and this is the marching band and you see them walking all in these patterns and you don't really understand it. And you see this guy's walking over here by himself and one guy's just twirling around with a tuba and you're going, he, he looks like he's somewhat lost or <laughs> maybe had party too much the night before and he's not really sure where he is. Well, it doesn't make sense to us. We can understand why some have issues, some things and where some pieces fit, but God sees it in the skybox and sees where every piece fits for us. Yeah. And that's how I kind of view life. And sometimes he lets you see it on this side of eternity. And that's some of what I use to walk people slowly through the healing process of tragedy and evil in their lives. Yeah. I think those images are helpful. But I would say someone who's 
recently gone through suffering, when you're sitting down with somebody and saying, God's, God's got this picture. He sees it. I don't want to hear that. That's so, that's so hard to listen to. Sure. Cause it's a, a perspective and I'm, I'm in the middle of that, that hurt. And I just want to know that. And this, I think is my advice for Christians. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to be suffering. Absolutely. It's okay to grieve. Absolutely. I mean, it's part of our existence here. The, the Savior who saves us from it all ultimately says, you know, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Now, that doesn't help the person who's now going through trouble right, and tragedy. Right. But I think sometimes you're just there to spoon feed people Christian kindness. Yeah. And maybe it's bringing a meal over. Maybe it's listening to them complain. Yeah. And, and, and really question God. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just lending an ear and being the hands and feet of Jesus. And sometimes it's just as you've said before, just sitting there mm-hmm. and letting them know you're not going to abandon them. You're going to be there right for them. Mm-hmm. And although that you might say something to them that they don't want to hear, a lot of times it's been my experience. They appreciated yeah. that hope you gave them. They just weren't ready to hear it at that point. And that's all yeah. right. Yeah. That's all right. When I think of our, our kind of tagline around here, you matter, you are loved, for them to understand, for somebody who's going through evil, going through suffering, to see that God says that, they ha- they see that through you That's saying That's exactly that. right. We have to be the carriers and the conduits of that. And sometimes it's done without talking. Yeah, yeah. And then at a point, you'll get a chance and God will give you an opportunity and you can continue to share his uh, cathartic, cathartic word that is... Uh, so healing that, uh, but sometimes, you know, people got to be ready to hear it and you and I wouldn't be ready to hear it either. Right, right. And it doesn't mean we don't share it, but they're not always going to be eager ears to hear it. And uh, we can be there for them so that when they're ready, yeah. we're there. And to hear those promises of a savior, you know, think about never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. I mean, we end a lot of our worship services with that blessing. Right. Uh, and you just kind of repeat those not that they, again, this goes back to that patience thing, not that they solve the problem today, not that they take the venom out of the suffering today, but as they build over time, as that you kind of lay this layer, layer upon layer on the foundation of that, those promises, there will come a day when they see what you've built. And it's this, this house, uh, the, the house really that Jesus built in eternity for them. And you, and you go back to passages in, in scripture and occasions in people's lives like Job. People say, boy, you're suffering like Job. That's true. They might be suffering where they, they have no idea. It just came out of the blue. But Job's book ends nicely, Yeah. right? God keeps his promise as he always does. And as you just alluded to, ultimately God's book, his Bible tells us, oh, don't worry, just because evil hasn't been defeated yet and everything isn't the perfect the way God always intended it to be, doesn't mean it won't be. We know how the book ends. We win because he's already <laughs> won for us. Yeah, yeah. And so as we point to people like Job or Elijah or the Apostle Paul or the others in Scripture, those great heroes of faith we see in Hebrews, what happens is we see that God does keep his promises. And ultimately, he is the one that has the final say on death, evil, sin. And as I said, we win because he's already won. Yeah, that's those are good images, good people in the Bible to keep in mind. And and I think as people who are getting ready to share with somebody who is suffering, it's good to go back and, you know, Job, the book of Job, go back and read his story. Especially the first three chapters are really this story. The, a lot of the rest of the book is kind of that dialogue between him and his friends. But it's, it's set up in just three chapters. I think of Jonah. That's just four chapters long. Another man who suffered, Elijah, Elisha, Paul, you know, the, the kind of last half of Acts. Look, Go back and read those. Look at those stories again from the eyes of how do these Jesus followers react to the suffering? Sometimes it's self inflicted you think sure. of some of the patriarchs and the decisions they made and yeah let's oh, have more than one doing? wife yeah you know, right every guy listening to me goes you know that might not be bad then you think oh it's not it never no, worked out well no. 
there are some issues going right. You go back to those some of those fathers in the faith, and they they suffer tremendously, and yet put their hope in their in the Lord. For the person who's struggling personally, I wonder if you have any any thoughts on. Okay, so you are suffering, struggling with this evil. So did Jesus? Like, how do you connect those dots dots between this person and their struggling and what Jesus went through in his life? Well, first of all, it's the reality of suffering is our own sin and the sin in, in the world here. And I always point him back to Jesus because that's ultimately why he came here. He he chose to suffer in ways that you and I can't even imagine so that um, we know that he can be the source of our healing in our suffering, both physically and emotionally and certainly spiritually, and also for our eternity. I, I just always point people back to Jesus that he's the one that suffered, the suffering servant who suffered on our, our behalf. I, I, I know that sounds like a, a nice Sunday school answer, and maybe it is. But that's because it's true. Mm-hmm. I, I just point people back to that. You know, you can go ahead and share with them maybe uh, uh, something you learned or God has taught you through a time in your life. Just be careful when you do that. So you don't try to one-up them. Right. Oh, you think you got it bad, right? <laughs> now, let me tell you what happened to me. That does no one any good. But if you can point to God's promises and his healing in your own life, you know, coming along with someone and saying, I haven't necessarily been where you're at, but I've had stuff happen to me. Mm-hmm. And here's what I found helpful is is great. But again, both in both cases, you're pointing people back to Jesus who willingly came here to suffer for you. And that drives me back to that whole idea of when you can't answer the question why, yeah. you just remember who. Who is it that, that loves you dearly? And I think that question why is a word of caution, right? Trying to figure out that why or trying to give a pat answer is what comes across as trite for people. Correct. Comes across as hollow or inauthentic. Far more powerful, I think, is you are suffering. I don't know why. I can't. I'm not going to guess the mind of God. Yeah, you're going to go back to Isaiah 55, right? His ways are higher than yeah. our ways. His yeah. thoughts higher than our thoughts. I I get that, and I understand that's God. That's not me. That's yeah. yeah he knows what he's doing. I obviously don't. And and I don't know why. But here's the amazing thing. I know that Jesus, who is God, who had no part of suffering, it was not his responsibility to suffer. Not guilty of any sin. Not not beholden to anybody, even to take on human form, to become human. And yet he does anyway. He volunteers to suffer, not to erase your suffering, but to give it that perspective. And when you think about it, the, the whole idea of uh, the passion history uh, starts with um, something very evil and bad and injustice, certainly, happening to a very good, you know, perfect person, yeah. Jesus, on our behalf, just so that he can tell us, don't worry, um, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but I've overcome the world and everything that you're ever going to face and giving you an eternity where you won't have to face any of this. I, I often, you know, I always go back to Job because people like to point out Job and they always say, well, Job teaches you patience. Well, then that always tells me he didn't read the book <laughs> because Job, Job didn't have a lot of patience. At one point, he kind of curses his friends and probably would have liked to trade in his wife for a donkey or two because she didn't give him great advice. And he becomes upset with God. And I get that. I, I think I, I get that as well. But yet you see that God continues to bless Job at the end, and just as we are. I, I, I always try to point people to the fact that this life, there's more to this life than this life. Yeah. And that's Revelation 21 and 22. That's how the book ends. And uh, maybe you don't tell them that right away in the emergency room, but maybe down the road you get a chance to point to the fact that this isn't your home, and God has given you a better one. And right now it hurts, and I'm going to hurt with you. Will I tell you that the hurt will go away? Yeah. But the scar might not. Yeah. And the scar will remind you of evil in this world and a need for a Savior, but also how that loving Savior healed you, taught you, and maybe gave you a chance, as it says in First Corinthians, maybe, to comfort someone else 
with the comfort you yourself have received. I'm glad you brought up Revelation. I think that's a really great place to go amidst all the visions and imagery that sometimes gives us pause or, or seems a little strange. The underlying theme is Jesus followers who are saying, when does this end? We're persecuted, we're oppressed, we're facing troubles and evil and suffering on every every front. And Jesus coming to those very same Jesus followers and saying, I've won. Here's what you have to look forward to. This picture of the new Jerusalem, uh, the rescue with Jesus at the center of it all. And you notice when you read through that, how often Jesus, the nail marks in his hands and his feet, that piercing on his side, Jesus' own suffering is so visible throughout that, that record for those who are struggling, saying, yeah, struggles happen, struggles come. That's part of living on on this side of the of heaven, but look what's coming ahead. Yeah, I like how one of my professors uh, really summed up the whole book of Revelation, the distant triumph song. Mm. It's a wonderful th- way to think of, of heaven and uh, how, what Revelation tells us and, and reminds us of. And that picture is maybe a good place for us just to end this this podcast, the, the problem of evil. And we there's other things that we've touched on a little bit with evil, kind of the philosophical, and we might cover those another sure. day. But for now, that, that really personal relationship, be patient, remind people of the promises, and point them to what's coming ahead. And, and, and spoon, feed, spoon feed them yeah. uh, Christian kindness by just being there. Uh, move your mouth less, <laughs> use your ears more, and your hands and feet as well. Perfect. That's great advice. Thanks so much to our listeners for tuning in. Thanks for listening to When Fear Reigns as we've talked about the problem of evil. Hopefully it's helped you talk about this issue with people that are in your life. And we both pray, John and I do, that this has made room in your life for the fear of God to reign. Has suffering kept you from God? It's easy to allow suffering to tell you that God isn't for you. It might even convince you that you don't have a place for him in your life. But Jesus reframes that entire question. His suffering does not sweep away your suffering, but instead it gives your suffering context, proportion, and perspective. If you liked today's episode, make sure you subscribe to get our next episode as soon as it's available.